Well, I hope you've heard it several times by now, but let me personally say welcome to Fellowship of the Rockies. We are so glad you're here this morning on this time change Sunday, so bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to go. For those of you wondering, who is the skinny guy with spiky hair and what has he done with Pastor Charlie? My name's Justin. I'm the student pastor here at Fellowship of the Rockies. Uh, pastor Charlie's on vacation, taking a little time off to just get rested, and uh, he gave me the pleasure and the honor of speaking with you guys this morning. I always appreciate the chance, uh, the fact that he trusts me not to say something stupid. So, always a good thing, and you never know what's going to happen when I'm up here. So, I guarantee you, stay tuned, stay awake, because if you don't, I'm a student pastor. I may just throw something at you, but <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Well, we're in the middle of a series called Joy Found. And the idea is, we've been taking a look at the Beatitudes, this list of statements that that Jesus gave his followers, this list of if-then statements, that if you do this, then I will do this. And the idea is that they serve almost as a roadmap for true joy in our lives, for discovering a, a joy that isn't based on circumstances, a joy that brings peace and contentment within. So we've just been taking them one by one, and this week we've made it to verse 7. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, just this very short, simple verse that simply says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, Now, at first glance, it looks pretty simple. i got to be honest with you, when Pastor Charlie asked me to speak, I started going through and I'm figuring out which verse I was going to get, and I looked it up, I'm like... I can do this. This is easy. Blessed are the merciful. I mean, it's kind of like saying, all right, be nice, be kind to others, and they'll be kind to you. You know, we all learn the golden rule as little kids, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's that simple. It's that easy. Be good. Be nice. You're covered. I'm like, this will be short. Sweet. We'll be out of here quick. No time. Then I begin to do the homework and begin to do the research, and I realized that, man, mercy is wow, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much deeper than that. I I realize that that mercy is this foundational belief, this theological concept that runs all throughout Scripture. And in fact, not only does it run all throughout Scripture, but all throughout Scripture, Jesus places great emphasis on showing mercy to others and having mercy in our lives. In fact, more than once, Jesus, in speaking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he scolded them because they had placed more importance on the rules and the regulations than showing mercy to others. And in fact, Jesus would would quote Hosea, and he would say, I would rather have mercy than sacrifice. He would tell them, you follow all the rules, but you've forgotten what it means to truly care for and love others. And it's that kind of deep mercy that we want to look at today. You see, within the New Testament, there are actually three different, three different types of mercy, three different concepts that, that encase mercy. Uh, the first is this deep emotional disturbance. Uh, all right, it's this, this feeling deep within. All right, during Jesus' times, they believed that the seat of your emotions was in your bowels. It's where we get the idea that I had a gut feeling. And, and literally, to, to show mercy... It, one of, the, one of the meanings, one of the concepts is just to be torn up, to just be sick over something, a situation that you see what a person is going through, that it just, oh, it, it hurts you. It, it's, it's that feeling we get when, when we see the, the devastation, the poverty, the violence that's going on in third world countries that just oh, makes us cringe. You know, the same thing happens when we turn on the news and, and we're just confronted with everything that's happening in our own backyard. 
it just, it breaks our hearts and it makes us hurt. You, you know, I've experienced it several times when I've had a student who walked into the student ministry and they were on fire for God and they were headed down the right path and then something happens and they make a few bad choices and before you know it, they're far, far away from God. That it literally at times when I think about it, it makes me sick to my stomach. It's the feeling we get when we hear about that perfect couple who had everything going, everything was great for them. And then the next thing we hear, they're getting a divorce. We just, oh. Jesus expressed this kind of mercy when, when the Bible tells us that days before his crucifixion, he went up and he looked out over Jerusalem and he just wept. This Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I just, I had such big dreams for you, such big hopes, such big plans, and you've just turned me away. He hurt inside. That's the first type of mercy that we see within the New Testament. The second is, is very unique and very powerful because the second simply refers to God's forgiveness that he offers us. That special gift that he says, if you will accept me, I will not count your sins against you, but I will show you mercy and I will forgive you. It's this, this amazing just gift that he lays out for us to accept. The third type of mercy we see in the New Testament is the type that Jesus used here in Matthew chapter five, when he says, be merciful. And, and this, this type of mercy, it, it encompasses three different things. It's an all-encompassing. It takes that, that deep emotional disturbance. That's, a, that's the first part of it. That it says you've got to have that sympathy, that compassion. It, it comes to the point it makes you sick inside. You just can't stop thinking about it. But it goes further than that. It goes to the point where you experience empathy, where you take the time to, to get out of yourself. You, you take the time to stop worrying about yourself, and you see it through someone else's eyes. Uh, literally, in the original language, it means to get into someone else's skin. That you literally become a part of the problem. That their problem is now your problem. That you experience what they experience. That you see what they see. That you understand what is, what is going on in their lives. And, and the third piece of it, after you're just wrecked inside and you begin to understand what that person is going through and you get yourself into the situation and into the problem then you take action. That third piece is you're just so disturbed inside, so messed up that you can't help but want to make a difference. You can't help but want to step out and change things and do something about it. Understand that when Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, this is the kind of mercy he was talking about. This is the kind of mercy that he says, this is what I want from you. This is what you as Christians should be living your lives like. You see, as you look all throughout scripture, this is the kind of mercy that drove God to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to be crucified so that we could be forgiven of our sins. This is, this is the very characteristic of God. And it should be characteristic of our lives as Christians. Understand that, that this is the mercy that we should show to our families. This is the kind of mercy that we should show to our spouse, to our kids, students, to your parents, to your siblings. This is the kind of mercy that should be ever present in our professional lives, whether it's a boss or a coworker or, or, or a teacher. Not only that, but here's one we don't think about much. It's the kind of mercy we should show other Christians. 
man, those of you who've been Christian for any amount of time, you realize we're not perfect. We don't have it all together, and we need mercy. I mean, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and if any of you have siblings in real life, you understand that brothers and sisters can get on each other's nerves a little every once in a while. And we've got to show them mercy. God says you need to extend that to each other. In fact, Jesus told his disciples on the night that he was arrested, he said, understand this, that the rest of the world will know your mind by your love for each other. We need to show each other mercy. Uh, not only that, but it should overflow into, into our community relationships. Over and over again in Scripture, the Bible talks about showing mercy to the widows and the orphans, to those who are less fortunate, to those who can't help themselves. I've seen a, just a cool example of this in my student ministry, where I have a family who, who they have no reason to be in on Wednesday nights. They have, they have no children in the home of their own right now. But every Wednesday night, they have two neighbor kids who a uh, single parent family and just... They pick them up and they take them to church, to youth group, every Wednesday night. They have no reason to come in themselves, but they just show mercy to these kids. And it's changing these kids' lives. I just found out last week that they're over at their neighbor's house, like right after school, they're knocking on the door. Hey, hey, are you going to take us to youth group? Can you take us to youth group tonight? And they're excited about it. Man, it's showing mercy to those who are less fortunate. Let me take a kind of FYI, kind of step back for a second. Understand, mercy is not conditional, though. Mercy is not just for those who are in need, for those who deserve it. It's easy for us to look in that situation. It gives us this warm, ooey-gooey feeling. It's like those people deserve it. It's easy to show mercy to those we love because we know that's part of it. But what about those who don't deserve it? What about those who deserve no mercy? I was thinking about, I was thinking about that waiter or waitress who, man, they're rude. The food ends up coming out cold. You don't get any refills. The only time they see you is when they take your order, when they bring you the check. You know what? Mercy says you still tip them 15%. All right? It's that teenage driver who is so busy talking on their cell phone that they almost sideswipe you as they cut you off in traffic? Mercy says, one, you don't honk your horn at them. And number two, no hand signals letting them know how much Jesus loves them. (laughs) Not good. Mercy says, no. And and probably my my personal most difficult for me, when that person cuts you off In the express lane, you're headed there and they zip in front of you and you look in their basket and you realize they have way more than 20 items. Mercy says, no anger. You smile. Jesus loves you. Mercy. They don't deserve it, but you give it anyway. While those are real life situations, it goes even further than that. What about the spouse who is unfaithful, who cheated? Mercy. What about the coworker who lied, who cost you the promotion? Mercy. What about the parent who abandoned or abused you? Mercy. 
It's tough. It's, it's huge. It's, it's almost beyond our human comprehension. The idea that we should show mercy to those people. That we should act in such a way that goes against society, that goes against our, our own humanity sometimes. But that's the kind of mercy God called for. I want to bring it down, and I want to try in three points give you, give you kind of an example of what a person who shows mercy looks like. In your notes, it's, it's put in there as three attitudes of mercy. It's three character traits. It's three things that if we want to show mercy, that we must have in our lives. If we truly want to be merciful, full of mercy, so it just overflows out of us, these are three things that we need to have in our lives. First, person who has mercy in their life gives sacrificially. Now understand that giving sacrificially means it's going to cost you something. The whole word sacrifice implies a cost to ourselves. I love the story of David who is, he was bringing the ark back. Things had happened and, and there was the need for a sacrifice. There is a need to to worship God and to repent. And so David goes and he inquires. And this man just offers David anything he needs. He says, David, whatever you need, it's yours, no cost. You're the king, you're a man of God. And David says, no, 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 no. I will pay you full price and over. Because I will not sacrifice what did not cost me anything. Sacrifice comes at a cost. Understand, mercy requires us to sacrifice financially. It's more than just putting a few bucks in the basket every week. It's sitting down before you write out any other checks, before you write out any of the bills, and writing out what God has called you to give to him, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't look like you're going to have enough. It's, it's giving sacrificially and trusting him to take care of you. It's, it's giving of your time. It's not just showing up for an hour on Sunday morning. It's... Great examples. We have an amazing worship team that's here early Saturday afternoon. And basically, with the exception of going home and sleeping, they're here all the way till Sunday afternoon. So they can serve, so that they can lead you in worship. They give up their entire weekends. They have jobs just like the rest of us, and they surrender their weekends to worship. They make that sacrifice. We have children's workers who, who when we added the 1230 service, we were short of workers, and, and we needed more. And they stepped up, and they said, hey, we'll work extra services, whatever it takes. They gave up their weekends to be a part, to minister to children. Easter, we're so excited about that we're going to be able to celebrate as one service. This is going to be awesome and amazing. And we're going to be able to offer children's ministry for, for all of our kids. But understand that there's a group of children's workers who have sacrificed their Easter Sunday because there's only one service, they will give that up so that they can minister to kids. Sacrifice. It costs them something. I have student workers all the time who give up their vacation days to go on youth events so they can minister to teenagers. Sacrifice costs you something. Man, and you've got to come to the point in sacrifice where you're willing to give up everything. You see, when you walk with Christ, that's the point you come to. I love the story of the widow, and, and Jesus and his disciples were in the temple to set the stage. And, and in the temple, there was this giant offering box by the door, all right? Just this huge chest. And everyone would come by, and they just put their money in. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they make a big deal of it, 
All right? They would go, I mean, these are the kind of guys who would take, who would take their, like, their $10 offering or their $100 offering, and they'd go cash it in for quarters. So they could just dump it in and make it look like they were giving even more. I mean, these guys, they just, they wanted everyone to approve of them, to look at them. Wow, look at that. But in the midst of all this, this widow comes up and she drops in two coins, quietly walks away. And Jesus said, guys, guys, did you see that? And I'm like, what? That widow, man, you got to understand that she gave more than everyone else here today. And I'm like, what? Jesus said, she, she gave everything she had. Everyone else here, they gave out of their abundance. They had more than enough. That offering didn't cost them anything. But she, she was willing to give everything. Man, if you want mercy to be a characteristic of your life, you have to give sacrificially. And when you give sacrificially, not only do you give of your finances and your time, but when it comes to mercy, you give understanding. Understand that... You give empathy. It's that whole idea of getting into their shoes, of making their problem your problem. You now understand what they're going through, and you come to the point where you no longer condemn them. You no longer judge them. You see, mercy doesn't say, they deserve what they got. They made choices. They ended up here. Man, they deserve it. Why should I show them mercy? Mercy gives understanding. It gives that empathy. See, you're willing to walk a mile in another person's shoes. You understand what they're going through. And you love them with the same love that God has shown us. Now understand, there is a cool dynamic between one and two. Between giving sacrificially and giving that understanding. And the reason I have them as one and two is because you cannot have one without the other. Scripture says you can have all the sacrifice. You can give of your time and of of your money, but if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. If you don't have that understanding, it's worth nothing. Paul puts it best, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, Paul says, if I give my life everything, but have not love, I gain nothing. Sacrifice without mercy means nothing. Sacrifice without understanding means nothing. But on the flip side, you can have all the understanding, all the compassion, all the empathy in the world. You can be torn up inside, but unless you do something about it, unless you give sacrificially to the point that it hurts, you haven't done anything. In 1 John 3.17, John puts it this way, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need. If anyone has the means to, to help someone, and they see someone in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Those are strong words. John says, you say you're a Christian, and you have a means to help, but you choose not to? You close your heart? How can you say you have the love of God in your life when you act like that towards people who are in need? Understanding without sacrifice means nothing. James, in chapter, James chapter 2, in talking about just uh, the balance between faith and works, between action and belief, uh, just reinforces this. He says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? 
as you read through James, he was a sarcastic guy and he just threw it out there. And he's, here's what you're doing, guys. He says, you're, you're going out there and you're seeing people in need and you're saying, all right, you go. Be, be filled. Don't be hungry anymore. Be warm. Let life be good to you. But you're not doing anything to change the situation. He says, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's unacceptable. You have to take action. So not only do you need sacrifice and understanding, but if your life is going to be a life of mercy, you need to give forgiveness. By far the most difficult of the three. And by far what I believe to be one of the biggest reasons that Christians do not experience God's joy in their life that they do not experience peace and contentment because they have not forgiven others. Man, I, I could speak for hours. I could write sermon after sermon because I believe forgiveness is such a huge issue within the church as a whole. I, I love Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, you get about two-thirds of the way through the chapter and you run into this conversation between Peter and Jesus. And, and, and if you read between the lines, I think there had been a little strife between the disciples. I mean, understand, you got 12 guys hanging out 24-7. All right, you got two sets of brothers in there. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about siblings. It, you know when you spend that much time with a sibling, there's bound to be issues, all right? There's bound to be things going on. So I think there might have been a little, little something going on between Peter and Andrew. You know, maybe Andrew was just annoying Peter, and Peter was just ready. He wanted to pound him. Peter goes up to Jesus, and he's trying to be all spiritual. and He's like, all right, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive someone? Now, he didn't say it, but it was, do I need to forgive someone before I pound them? And, and he goes, seven times? Because he he'd been counting, and he was on number six, and he was going to forgive Andrew one more time, and he was going to pound him. And Jesus says, really? Peter, forget the seven. Try 70 times seven. Peter starts doing the math, and when he figures it all out, his jaw just drops. What? Then before Peter can say anything, Jesus tells the disciples a parable. You can read it along with me, Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Understand that this was a ridiculous sum of money. Ridiculous. All right? There's no way this guy could ever pay this back at any point. How he accumulated this much debt is just unfathomable. All right, understand that this is millions upon millions of dollars here. A debt he would be unable ever to pay back in his lifetime. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. This was the way things worked back then. If a creditor could not collect on the debt, he would sell the man and his family into slavery. He would auction off everything they owned in, in order to recoup some of his costs. And this is what the king, this is what the master is calling for. 
So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. Now, this is, this is amazing. This is unheard of. Because not only does the master decide, all right, I'm going to let you out of prison. I'm not going to sell your family into slavery. But he goes a step further, and he forgives the debt. The debt that could never be paid back. He takes the ledger books. He marks through his name and puts paid in full. Balance due, zero. He forgives the unpayable debt. It's a picture of what Christ did for us. How that in coming and dying on the cross, he forgave us a debt that we could never pay. He showed us mercy that we did not deserve, that we could do nothing to earn. Just as the servant could never pay back the debt, just as he was guilty, we were guilty and there was no way we could pay back the debt. But God forgave us. The sad part comes next when you see what the servant did. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. This servant who has been shown such amazing mercy now turns around, goes out, finds a man who owns, owes him pocket change. All right? We're talking like a payday loan here. It was really nothing, a debt that was easily repaid in time. He begins to throttle him and demand his money back and then throws him into prison. How easily he forgot the forgiveness he'd been shown. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Notice this last verse. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus says, if you're unwilling to show others mercy, how am I ever supposed to show you mercy? How are you ever supposed to experience the joy and the peace and the contentment that, that I desire for you if you refuse to help out others and show them the same grace and mercy that I gave you. Now understand, let me make it very clear. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about eternal security. We're talking about just the daily walk, the daily fellowship with Christ through which he guides your life and gives you meaning and gives you peace, knowing that no matter what happens, he's in control. That contentment that comes regardless of the circumstances. God says, I can't give you that in your life. You'll never find it unless you're first willing to forgive. Forgiveness is so important. It's not enough just to give sacrificially and to understand. We've got to forgive those who've hurt us. Show them that sacrificial mercy. 
Here's the great part, though. When, when you come to that point where mercy begins to flow through your life, and when you begin to show others that same forgiveness and that same grace that you have been shown, man, it begins to change your life. And there are some huge benefits to mercy. Understand that, that mercy, as difficult as it is, man, it does something inside of us. First off, there's, uh, there's psychological benefits. Uh, understand that, that when you show someone mercy, when you give them that understanding, when you get out of yourself, it does something. It, you get to the point where you get over yourself. Selfishness begins to be pushed to the side because now you begin to see how much God has truly given you. And you begin to understand how good you really have it. And humility begins to become a way of life. You begin to experience that contentment where you once wanted more. You have a whole new appreciation for everything that God has given you. It changes you inside. Listen, it's one of the reasons why I think it's so important that every, every student, every teenager have the opportunity to go overseas on a missions trip if for no other reason than to open their eyes to the amazing blessings that they have, to change their perspective, to, to combat that selfishness. And when you're willing to show others mercy, to give sacrificially, to show understanding, to give forgiveness, man, it changes you inside. Not only that, but there's, there's social benefits. Now, it sounds kind of odd, but I, th- I think it's best illustrated. One of my favorite commercial campaigns in recent years is the Liberty Mutual campaign. And, and, and if, you, if you haven't seen it, basically what happens is they show one person doing an act of kindness. It starts off with, with someone getting off of a bus and their briefcase blows all over the place open and there's documents going everywhere and someone bends down, stops their busy life to help this person out. And someone driving by sees it going down. And they get a little further down the road and they see someone struggling to get into the house with groceries, so they stop, they get out, and they help them in. And the idea is that when you show others mercy, that it creates this domino effect. See, mercy has a social benefit because mercy is contagious. When we show others mercy, whether we know they see us or not, Someone somewhere is watching. Someone somewhere is being effective. When you give of your time and your energy and your money, it changes lives. And those changed lives change other lives that change other lives. And I don't even have time to go into all the stories throughout history of, of great men and women who we view as, man, just historical figures that we look up to and we respect deeply, who would tell you it was one person whose name we don't even remember, that changed their lives forever by showing them mercy, by reaching out to them, by showing them grace they they didn't deserve. Not only does it have psychological and social benefits, but don't forget mercy, most importantly of all, has great spiritual benefits. Because when we are showing others mercy, man, we are taking on the the cause of Christ and doing what he would do and allowing God to bless us. I know I've said it a lot, but you've got to understand this. If you do not show mercy to others, God cannot show you mercy in your life. 
the bitterness, the anger, the refusal to show mercy to others pushes God away. It pushes his blessings away. It pushes the joy he wants to give you away. It pushes the contentment that he desires for your life away. When you are unwilling to show mercy, when you are unwilling to give sacrificially, when you are unwilling to to give understanding and empathy to, to, to stop judging and condemning, when you are unwilling to show forgiveness, it puts up a wall between you and God. And you will never find joy until you learn to show others mercy. It, as I close, I, I want to share something with you. And this is the point where I'm like, all right, if you don't get anything else today, get this. Because it truly is the one thing that If you've been sleeping up to this point, wake up. Because here's what I want you to get. Understand that we show mercy not to get these benefits. Understand, it's great to want them in your life. There is nothing wrong with desiring God's blessing on your life, with desiring to have joy and contentment and peace. That's great. And you should desire that. But understand, that is not why we show mercy. The reason we show mercy is because God showed mercy to us. Because when we did not deserve it, because when we had accumulated a debt that we could not pay back, God did not give us what we deserve. But instead, and he sacrificed everything. He gave of his life. He understood our condition and came down and took action and sent his son to die on the cross for us so that we could experience forgiveness and life. Because we have received mercy, we give mercy to others. God's mercy just pours over us and fills us up to the point that we can't contain it anymore. And so as a result, it just pours out of our lives to everyone around us because we have been shown mercy. I want to close with a quote. Why would you give if it is not because that you have first received what you could have never earned, what you never deserved, the surprisingly sweet gift of the gospel that captured your heart? May we give, not because there are needs, and there are needs. May we give, not because we can make change, even though we can make change. We don't give because it feels good to give, and it does feel good to give. I would argue very simply that we give because we have understood something of the generous gift of the gospel and what it is to receive the very kindness and mercy of God himself. You close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Just a moment, you're gonna have the opportunity to to come forward and just pray. We're gonna have prayer partners down here who desire just to show you love and mercy and just to pray with you and support you regardless of the circumstance, regardless of who you are. They just want to put their arm around you. And man, this is, 
This is their ministry. This is their sacrifice. They're here to serve you. But before we do that, I, I want you to ask yourself, what is God saying to you today? What is it that God wants you to do as a result of what you've heard here today? Maybe you still bear the wounds of unforgiveness in your life, of a time when you were hurt and you have been unable to forgive. And God is saying, let go. And I would encourage you in a moment to come forward and to just give it to God, to forgive. Maybe there's a situation or a person or a family in your life who God has pressed on your heart that you need to be showing mercy to, that you need to step out and you need to change the way you've been acting, that you need to give. And you just need to come down and make that commitment to God that you're going to do what he's telling you. Maybe you just need to receive God's gift of mercy and forgiveness for the first time, that you've never asked him, God, just forgive me, wipe it all away, that you've never experienced the forgiveness that God has to offer. Don't wait, don't hesitate. After we pray, we'll all stand, and as we stand, the prayer partners will come down, and I'm just going to ask that you come with them in that moment. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. They're not words to describe the gratitude with which we receive your mercy every day. God, give us the strength, the courage, the humility. God, to give sacrificially, to give understanding, to give forgiveness. Break our hearts for what's going on around us, God. And let us show mercy.